Well done, Brandon. I'm proud of you. Brandon is our incredible youth leader and uh, does such a, a fantastic job. Uh, he may mention in his prayer that we had a couple of families that are dealing with concussions. Those are football players. And uh, I can tell you that football is, a, is a, an exciting sport, but it can be dangerous. And, uh, and so Brandon obviously is very much engaged with those families and you know, showing up and calling and checking in on them. And, uh, such a great job, man. And the feedback is always uh, from the families that you serve, not just about their kids, but their families go up and serve. And so I'm proud of you. Uh, I'd also just ask that you would continue to just pray for our community. Literally, I felt like today it was like text after text, text after text, like people feel I'm not feeling well or dealing uh, with some complications from earlier in the week or one family, like the whole family is in isolation. And, uh, I mean, it literally, it just felt like it was just this constant. And, uh, and I can tell you that sometimes that can be discouraging as a pastor. But you know, the, the interesting thing is, is as we were worshiping, uh, I just felt like the Holy Spirit say, it's okay, I got it covered. I got it covered. I got it covered. I got it covered. The enemy would like nothing more than to slow the momentum of what he's doing here at Purpose Church without question. But I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit doesn't just keep himself in one place, but he can go. He can spread throughout our community. So I'm just praying and believing that every person, God, right now, God, that is not feeling well, Father, going through some bout of cold or flu-like symptoms or whatever this little bug that's going around that's not positive for COVID and not positive for anything else, but just seems to be taking people out, I pray that the Holy Spirit would go and cover them. Heal them and restore them, Father. Restore everything that's been lost and then some. And Father, let them experience the fresh outpouring of your healing power right now in this moment. May be strengthened, may be refreshed, may be renewed. In Jesus' name, amen. For the rest of us, we're going to get into this third week of uh, Be Present. Uh, if you are new with us or you are wanting a quick update, uh, this Be Present series was birthed out of a, a word that I felt like the Lord gave me. Uh, prophetically through a song by Ty Trivet, uh, titled the song was titled "We Need You, Lord," and uh, and it's been such a, a fun series, but also I think such a, a, a powerful series that that it's opened up the the door for conversation uh, with uh, with which we have been discussing what does it mean to be present, and we looked last week about this idea of of being still. Uh, and how being still and learning to be still helps us to truly become present. And, and what we mean by being present is that the world is calling for the church to either be quieter or louder. Uh, it, there's, there's a number of things that, that can easily divide us, even as the church. And when I refer to the church, I, I truly do believe that this isn't just a word for our church, but it is for the church and, and as a matter of fact, as, as Brandon shared with you, we were over at uh, our sister church, C3 on 78. Uh, you guys would know uh, Ellen and Brian who come and uh, serve with us uh, from time to time. And that's the church that they lead worship at. And so we were there. And, you know, along the way, Katie and I and the boys, we just started praying for every church we pass. You know, we don't uh, often drive on Sunday mornings. And really, quite honestly, there's only like one church we pass on our way here on Sunday afternoons. And we were just overwhelmed by the number of churches we passed. And so along the way, we just started praying over each church. Like, Lord, just let the churches be filled. Let the seats be full. Let, let the tables be filled. Let there just be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a way that would draw people back into your house. And, and let them be so filled that the, the, the walls and the ceilings would just burst 
because there's so many people coming back to the house of God. And, and I think that's exactly what this is about. It's not about uh, taking a side. It's truly about being present and recognizing that we uh, are united under the name of Jesus. And so whatever system or structure, whatever topic or political uh, situation or circumstance that, that has arisen that has the power of dividing us, let it, not no, let it no longer divide us, but let the name of Jesus be the very thing that draws us to a beautiful place of unity so that we can see that his kingdom come and his will be done. You see, what I've learned, though, about being present is it's not only to acknowledge and learn how to overcome our own hard times. And 2 Timothy does a great deal, uh, or talks a great deal about identifying what hard times are. They're not new. It's not a surprise. We all endure and go through hard times. I can take a poll and say even this week, some of us went through some hard times. Right? So we're like, well, last week we learned how to overcome hard times, and then this week you got smacked upside the face with one. It's easy to say that. But at the end of the day, the reality is, is that hard times are not new. As a matter of fact, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, he says, nothing is new and everything will be repeated. In other words, nothing is new under the sun. That's what he says. And so what we're discovering in this Be Present series is that we have an opportunity to acknowledge and learn how to overcome our own hard times, but also then to learn and discover how to help those around us overcome, endure, and walk through their hard times. That's what it is. It's not selfishly about us. It's about us, and then it quickly becomes about those who Christ or God calls us to do life with. And then last week, we discovered that there are three postures in which we can learn to be present. The first one was be still. The second one is be available. And the third one is to be ready. And as we stated, uh, it started last week, we were looking at what it means to be still. And we did so by asking the big question, when was the last time you were still? I had no intention of breaking any of these up into two parts, but I did feel as though this was a great opportunity to break the conversation around be still up into two parts. When was the last time you were still? We, we, we looked at Psalms 46 and 10, and it says, be still and know that I am God. I love that. In other words, when we are still long enough, we discover who God really is. Or better put, when we get still, we come to know God personally and intimately. And then it says, as a result, he will be honored by every nation, and he will be honored throughout the world. That's what Psalms 46 and 10 says. And what happens is when we get still and we start to know who God is, he becomes honored, and he becomes known throughout the world, which is what Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and 9. So just doing a bit of a recap, and then we're going to jump right back into where we left off. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says this, but you are God's chosen treasure. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. You're chosen. And you are his treasure. He chose you, and he counts you as treasure. He chose you, and he counts you as treasure. Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation, set apart as God's devoted ones. That's the definition of the church, ecclesia, God's chosen people, set apart for him. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast, listen to this, his glorious wonders throughout the world. That's what he did. He chose you. He set you apart. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. I love that idea of broadcast. Like, what station are you tuning into? 
In other words, what is the station of the people around you that they're tuning into of your life? Are they tuning into the glorious wonders of God? Or is it possible that they're just tuning into more darkness? The way in which we know is the way in which we get still long enough to experience the incredible grace of God and to allow the light of God to reflect through us so that those around us can experience and tune in to the local broadcast of his glorious wonders. Kind of feel like it's breaking news. Biddy, 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 biddy. Tonight, live at 9 o'clock, tune in to Purpose Church. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here. So to be still is learning and teaching us to know him so that we can be present for him. To be still is learning and teaching us to know him in such a way that we can be present for him. So that we can be his church broadcasting his glorious wonders throughout the world. That all starts when we learn to be still. So last week I challenged us to make time to be still. So I'd ask you this question. Did you make time to be still? Did you make time to relax, to let go, and get really honest with the Lord? Did you pray? And how many of you took a nap and had a snack? Took a nap and had a snack. Took a nap and had a snack. I mean, man, I was like trending all week long. I had people texting me like, just woke up from a nap, had a snack. Literally all week long. I'm just like laughing my head off. It's the coolest thing ever. I never thought something would be so, so, so infectious. But, but if that's what it gets, if that's what it takes to get us to just chill for a minute, just relax, let go and lean into the presence of God and get real honest with him. Why is this important that we be still or learn to be still? Because when we don't learn to establish regular patterns of stillness, the pressures of life, the temptations of the world, and the threats to our mental and emotional health can lead to perilous or hard times. The pressures of life, the temptations of the world, the threats to our mental and emotional health can lead to perilous or hard times. You see, stillness, though, isn't being frozen in time. Let me say, go be still. You're like, okay. <laughs> what is we're talking about? That's weird. Like, who lays down like that? <laughs> who sleeps like that? Tyra admits that she does. <laughs> to be still isn't, doesn't always mean it has to be pure silence. I believe, that, I believe that stillness is defined as anything that draws us closer <laughs> to our Heavenly Father, where you can pray and be honest with Him, where you can experience His peace, and where you can hear His voice. I believe that stillness is not so much about how quiet it is or even how loud it is. Stillness is simply about how we draw closer to the love of our Father. I was saying to my message group this past week, like I can go to New York and be completely still. Like I can walk up and down the streets of New York and have the most incredible time with the Lord because no one knows me there. And so it's just me my father, and it's actually not weird if I just start kind of skipping down the street like I'm doing so with my father, because no one knows. We're all crazy in New York, so you know, we just go, doo -doo -doo, doo -doo -doo. and like nobody knows. I'm just imagining my father. We just skipping down Main Street. It's amazing. Times Square, bring it on, baby. 
What is it that draws you closer to, to our Heavenly Father? Where you can pray, where you can be honest. Sometimes you need to be in a loud place where you can just scream at the top of your lungs because things aren't going your way. You had a hard week and you just need to get to a place where it's okay to let some things out. And whatever comes out, it's okay. He can take it. He can take it. I believe that it's in the stillness that most often we hear the word of the Lord, as was the case for Elijah, the main character in our story that we've been looking at. Let me show you. Let's turn back to our story from last week in 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. And really quickly, as you're doing that, I want to recap what's happening here. We all know that Elijah had this beautiful moment in, in, in 1 Kings 18, maybe the pinnacle of his ministry up to this point on Mount Carmel. Where, where he calls uh, the prophets of Baal up for a little friendly challenge. Whose God is it anyway? <laughs> or in other words, whose God is more powerful? And I love that, that in this moment, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I loved, I reread it again this week, and Elijah was a, he, he was a bit fun with them. Like he started kind of poking at him, like, did your God go to sleep? Is he out to lunch? Did he, did he clock out and forget to tell you? Like, what's he doing? Down there whipping up some water so that he can figure out how to make this thing work? Or is he like, I mean, is he kind of like lighting a match down there? Like, what's he doing? I love that Elijah got a little, I mean, he got a little chippy with him. Like, it's kind of, I feel like that's kind of me. I'd have done the same thing. And then we know the story, like Elijah prays his beautiful prayer. It's very simple and it's very matter of fact, but the whole purpose of the prayer was to honor and glorify his father. And as a result, we know that fire came down and it burnt up the offering and, and they believed that God was really God. That's what, that's what 1 Kings 18 says. And so after this happens, this mountain moment, this pinnacle moment of his ministry on Mount Carmel, he receives a death threat from Jezebel. I mean, isn't that something? Yeah. You're like on the highest of highs and all of a sudden you get this death threat. Jezebel comes calling and she says, if by it tomorrow, you're not like one of those prophets that just died. Start running. And so what does he do? Like any of us would. We run for our life. It's just what he does. And so he ran. But what I loved about this story, and we looked at this uh, last week, he ran into the wilderness. But instead of running from God, he ran to God, and he found a broom bush, and, he, and it says that he prayed, which was so powerful to me because the word prayer translated to inquire. He was asking of the Lord. Now, I've reread that a hundred times. I've done more research on commentaries, and there's a hundred different perspectives. But what I took from that is that we can either run away from God or we can run to God. I believe with all my heart that Elijah ran to God, and he simply prayed and inquired of God. Even though he cried out, and he was getting to the point where he didn't know if he could take the pressure anymore. And he says, I've simply had enough. How many of us have said that? But how many of us have said that away from the presence of God rather than getting into the presence of God, which is an indication sometimes you get to get to a quiet place where you can be as loud as you want. I can't take this anymore. I've had enough. The pressure's too much. And then what's he do? He lays down and he takes a nap. He's touched by an angel and encouraged to get up and eat. And he lays back down. He says he takes another nap. And that's where we pick the story back up. 1 Kings 19 and 7 says, And the angel of the Lord came back a second time, and he touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey ahead is too much for you. So he got up and ate and he drank, strengthened by that food. 
He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. There he goes, taking another nap. My man's a good sleeper. Like, Will called me out. He's like, man, pastors just be sleeping all the time. Now, I just think he's biblical. I'm just saying, everywhere I read the scriptures, it's encouraging us to just take a nap. Some of us maybe just need to read a little bit, read a little bit more scripture. Just saying. I used to subscribe to the, you know, keep going till the brakes go off. And if, and if they come off, just pray that, you know, you land safely. I used to go till it was green, and if it was red, I just ducked. I used to tell people all the time, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I get it. But here we find Elijah yet again going up into a cave, crawling up in there, just laying down, having another nap. And the word of the Lord came to him. I love this because it says the word of the Lord came to him. No longer is it an angel, it's the word of the Lord. What are you doing here, Elijah? He just simply replies, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down all your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I'm like, can we just talk about some hard times? Like it goes, it's like, is it ever going to end? Like it's from hard time to hard time. Like I got a hit out on my life. Now I'm tired and I'm hungry. And now you send me on this wild journey, and now you're asking me, what am I doing here? And I have a moment to finally reflect what's really going on. And the truth is, is that I feel like I'm the only one left. They're trying to kill me too. In other words, he's saying, man, hard times are upon us. Again, nothing's new under the sun. Paul's teaching Timothy. Elijah's crying out to God. Hard times are here. The world is going crazy. Yet, I'm still zealous for you. And I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Go out, stand on the mountain. I love the mountains. I was born in Colorado. Grew up in Breckenridge or just outside of. I love the mountains. You say, let's go to the mountain. I'm in. You say, go to the beach. I got to second guess it. Unless my wife asks. And I'm like, yes, sure, baby. Whatever you want to do. Is there a mountain close? Sand Mountain. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. I like that. Go stand in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. Before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Listen to this now. Remember, in 1 Kings 18, it was wind that mustered up a storm that ended the drought. But yet, here he is on another mountain where... Where he says, go out and stand in the presence of the Lord. And a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. And he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Don't you love it when God asks the same question twice? But yet this time it's different because now he's standing in the presence of God after hearing the voice of God whisper to him directly. And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. 
Verse 15 says, then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael, king of over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahalah, to succeed you as prophet. What? Go back. Go back the way you came. And when you get there, I'll have... I have more work for you to do. I have another assignment for you. I still have a purpose for you. You see, at this point, we could summarize Elijah's story this way. I'm laughing because I kind of have two maps about how to summarize this story. You see, what happened is that Elijah went from mountaintop to mountaintop. He went from Mount Carmel, which represents God's public display of power, faithfulness, and provision. He recognized that in that story, there's fire, water, and storms. To Mount Horeb, which represents a personal place of meeting, hearing, healing, and calling. Both mountains have purpose. Mount Carmel's are mountaintop moments where collective, where we get to collectively hear and experience the mighty power of God. It was evident in their response when God came through and he provided fire that consumed the altar. And they simply replied, this must truly be God. This must truly be God. It might even be a place of renewal that leads to revival for us as the church, Mount Carmel's. But rarely do you find personal rest on Mount Carmel, which is why the word of the Lord to Elijah wasn't in the wind, it wasn't in the earthquake, and it wasn't in the fire like Mount Carmel, but it was in the whisper. You see, you find the whispers on Mount Horeb. I'm using these as reference points that sometimes we find ourselves on one mountain, we're experiencing great moves of God. But then what happens is that we end up finding ourselves in a valley from that mountain on the way to the next one. And you know, the greatest psalm, I think the most perfect psalm is Psalms 23. You don't have this. This is a whole new line for you. Psalms 23 is so powerful, so perfect in every way because it calls us into a place where, where we get to really truly reflect on the, the relationship that we have with our Father. And what I love is that the, the, the Psalms, it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's interesting to me that as he came down Mount Carmel, he found himself living in the proverbial valley of life. And it was the shadow of death that kept following him from the moment they heard word from, from, from Jezebel that she was going to take his life or put a hit out on his life to the moment he gets himself back to the top of another mountain. There's this constant sense of fear, dread, and worry that has come over him. I wonder if you and I, from day to day, from moment to moment, struggle sometimes with anxiety and worry and fear in such a way that we wonder if this might be our very last day. The thing I love about Psalms 23, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will do what? Fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me. He is with you. 
You see, it's not a light at the end of the tunnel that he is calling us towards. He's saying, here is where we're going, and we're going to go together. And here's what I want you to understand. I'm going to be with you on the top of Mount Carmel. I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you and overcome every fear, worry, and desire that is continuously causing you to question your purpose to the very top of Mount Horeb where I'm not going to speak to you the same way I did on Carmel. I'm going to speak to you in a whisper in a way that would get your attention so you understand that I've got greater purpose for you now in the future than I did in the past. So let's celebrate what happened in the past, but let's look and fix our eyes on where we're going. You see, what happens is that we get to these moments in life and we go, I don't want to live in the valley, but can I let you on a little secret? We are all called to live a valley life. But what God does is he invites us up to these mountaintop moments where we either get to celebrate together as a community, where we see the miraculous power together of somebody's life transformed, healed, or restored, or invites us to a mountain where he can meet with us privately and intimately and he can remind us of our purpose and the places in which he still has for us to go. So he'll turn us around and go, remember where we started. But now let's turn and look at our Next opportunity, let's fix our eyes on where we're going. Let me remind you, Elijah, let me remind you, Brandon, let me remind you, Steve and Will, that I still have purpose for you. And I want you to go back the way you came. But when you go back, it's with a different authority. It's with a different purpose. It's with a new assignment. Quit holding on to what happened on Mount Carmel and look forward to what happens on the next mountain. You see, Elijah was used mightily to prophesy and demonstrate the power of God on Mount Carmel. Yet once he was done, he found himself in the valley of life. He found himself in the valley of life, where fear and worry and dread has the power to overcome you. It was in the valley, or in his case, the wilderness, where he was reminded that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil. Elijah was reminded that we live in a valley, but God is with us in the valley. Though you walk through a valley of the shadow of death, though you walk through some difficult times, though you walk through some perilous times, though you walk through some hard times, let me remind you, you are not alone. That he is present with you. He wants you to know that if he is present with you, he's going to be present with you wherever you go. And wherever you go, if he is with you, then when you get present, on his behalf, what happens is that what he's done inside of you begins to manifest itself out of you and everyone around you without you even saying a word, but just simply by your presence, the atmosphere begins to shift. People's lives begin to shift. Circumstances begin to shift. Literally, people walk up to you with a different approach and a different countenance simply because they catch something off of you. When you walk in a room, you ever had that moment where you walk in the room and all of a sudden people start whispering like... And you're like, yo, did I post something on Twitter on accident that they read and now they're questioning whether or not I'm real or not? No, no, no. No, 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 no. The closer you get to the presence of God, the more illuminated the light is on the inside of you, the more you walk into a place where people are trapped in darkness, naturally what's going to happen? Darkness is going to start talking to darkness. Oh, here comes that light. Yo, that light just walked in the room. We should bounce. Yo, this used to be Club Dread. This is about to be club new life. And if we don't get out the back door quick, 
that dude's going to walk up over here. We're not going to have any choice but to either bow down or make a phone call. You know what I'm saying? That's what light has to do. That's what, excuse me, that's what darkness has to do. Darkness either has to bounce out the back door or has to bow down at the one who walked in the front door. And it ain't you that walked in. It's the presence of God in you. Even though we live in the valleys of life, God will always call us up to the mountaintops to help us see how far we've come and turn us around to help us see where he's calling us to go next. In Elijah's case, he called him from mountaintop to broombush to mountaintop. He called him from mountaintop moment where there's great celebration together with all of the saints celebrating with great joy the miracle that happened on the altar. And then tomorrow there's going to be a moment where the enemy is going to creep into your thoughts and he's going to start causing you to question and doubt your very existence and your very purpose. And God's going to lead you to a quiet, still place like a broom bush where he's just going to encourage you to just be honest and transparent with him. And let me just encourage you, do that. And then do me a favor and lay down and take a nap and wake up and have a snack. Because when you wake up from that moment, he's then going to take you by the hand and he's going to walk through that valley with you. And he's going to invite you to another mountaintop. And it's going to be a personal encounter with the presence of God. And that personal encounter is going to whisper in your ear, I'm not done with you yet. I've got greater purpose for you. You think you've seen something now? Just wait for what I've got in store next. Public encounters with God's power cannot happen without personal encounters with his presence. Mm. Public encounters with God's power cannot happen without personal encounters with his presence. We can't truly be present for him if we are not willing to be still with him. We cannot be fully present where God has called us to be for him if we're not willing to be still with him. You see, I believe that Elijah went from mountaintop to quiet place to quiet place. He went from mountaintop to broom tree to mountaintop. And I believe that what happens is that when we uh, get into these moments of stillness, our strength is restored, our hearts are transformed, and our purpose is renewed. She takes everything in us to, to be present to a moment, but what happens is unless we go back to the presence of God, it's easy for the enemy to creep in and cause you to question your entire existence. And what he's inviting us to is to just recognize where we need to be still and be obedient to just creating moments of stillness. Does that mean you got to spend a whole day? No. Maybe it's a couple hours each morning. Maybe it's a couple hours a week. Maybe it's an hour a day. Maybe it's 30 minutes. Whatever it is, whatever measure in which you're going to find yourself getting still before the Lord, in whatever capacity that draws you closer to him, do that. Do that a bunch. I've said, I've said this over and over and over again. I'll say it. Till, till I'm blue in the face. If whatever medium that draws you into the presence of God, whether it be reading the word of God, whether it be worshiping with whatever preference of worship, music, or style that you like, or if it's just simply prayer, let me encourage you to do whatever, whichever one of those draws you closer to his presence, a bunch. A whole bunch. 
doing so much that you're just like overjoyed with his presence. Because what you'll find is the more you commit to that, the more you'll start falling in love with the other thing too. I believe that with all my heart. And I think that if we stop and think about what it means to get still, what it truly means for us to get still, we're all made different. There's not one size fits all. This isn't a, this isn't a fitted hat where you everyone gets the same hat and it's one size fits you. Whatever I do doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you, but I'm just helping you to know some things you could do based on what's worked for me. I'm not the gospel, this is. I'm not the word of God, this is. I'm just giving you some examples of what I do so that it will help you discover what will work for you. But I wonder this, what if our purpose is not a singular one? But what if, what if it was a commitment to living a life in full pursuit of him? To be still in such a way our strength is restored. Our hearts are transformed. And our purpose is renewed. To live from still moment to still moment so that he may be present in every moment. What if that was our purpose? To live from still moment to still moment so that he may be present in every moment. What if our purpose is to learn to be still so that we can be present? So that he will be glorified and his name would be made famous. That we would be used in such a way that he would use our life to broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. So guys, everyone stand tonight as we draw this thing to a close. Some of you are like, well, man, I wasn't here last week. Or, you know, this was just a really difficult week. And, and to be honest with you, I just didn't have time to get still. It's okay. It's all good. Don't beat yourself up. His grace is new every morning. His mercies are new every day. Don't beat yourself up. That's what we call it practice. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practicing the patterns of Jesus. We're talking about practicing being still. And again, it's not about going home and sitting in a chair for 20 hours doing nothing. It's about doing the thing that draws you closer to the presence of God. A place where you can get real and honest and transparent with Him. It's not about being in a state of frozenness or something that should overwhelm you. It should be something that you look forward to. And I can just let you know this secret. I'm not even perfect at it. I know you're thinking, really? It's true. I'm not. And no one is. Nor will ever want anyone ever be. Which is why he says go from strength to strength, from glory to glory, from still moment to still moment. And though you walk through a valley of the shadow of death, we get to recognize in this moment that every time we feel like we're in a valley, he is with us. And every time we have a mountaintop experience, he is with us, whether it be collectively or privately. But I can assure you this, that God does not call you into still moments to leave you there. He calls you into still moments to meet you there. Because he has things he wants to reveal to you and things he wants to say to you. So whatever it is that helps you do that, I want you to do that this way. To draw closer to his presence. Is it prayer? Is it reading his word? Is it worship? Maybe it's talking about Jesus with a friend. Maybe it's being in a discipleship group where 
there's encouragement happening. And it starts to encourage and lead you. Maybe it's signing up for Alpha because you've got some questions and you want to discover more about who Jesus is. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Do whatever draws you closer to you. And if you don't know what to say, simply say this. Ready? Here, here, here it is. If you don't know what to say, say this. No questions this week. Just, just a statement. Here I am, Lord. Speak to me. Here I am, Lord. Whatever that is that you, that you find peace or comfort or closest with you, just simply do that and then say this. Here I am, Lord. Speak to me. Here I am, Lord. Speak to us. Here we are, Lord. Speak to us. I don't know what you went through this week. I don't know what's uh, in the week ahead. But I do know that the Lord desires nothing more than to draw closer to you. Because he wants to be with you through your trials. He wants to be with you through your victories. He wants you to know that you don't have to go it alone. Whatever meetings are ahead of you, whatever tough conversations are ahead of you, whatever bills are ahead of you, whatever circumstances or situations are ahead of you, tonight my prayer is that you would leave here knowing that he's with you. He's inviting you into still moments so he can encourage you, so he can speak to you, so he can strengthen you, but most importantly, so he can give you purpose for the next journey ahead. To help you overcome the hard times that you're currently facing and maybe be the very person that helps somebody overcome their hard time. So Father, I pray that as we close here tonight, if that's you, you, either you've been establishing a pattern of stillness with him and you're just so thankful for it and you're growing and you're leaning into it, or maybe tonight you're just admitting, I've had a, I've had a hard time doing it. I'm not exactly sure what works for me yet. Would you just allow yourself this moment my prayer is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you reveal what it is that what it is that allows you the space and the place to draw closer to Him. So that you might experience His presence. You might be renewed by His power. Your purpose might be revealed. Or heck, it might even be renewed, much like Elijah. Father, I pray this week you draw us closer to you like never before. So we can experience you like never before. So that we can be present in the place you call us to go and to be like never before. I pray that this invitation to be still will be a reminder to daily come back to that place of stillness where we can be refreshed, where we can be restored, and we can be renewed. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen.